Right then, hello, welcome to the next episode of the BAMcast, it's just the two of us again, we're still looking for guesties, we've got a few lined up for next week hopefully, but this is the BAMcast, it's part of C2DE Media, the media for working class voices, those that are underrepresented, bringing the big issues of the world back down to earth with a bump, a bit of scheme politics and now that else along the way, so this week's been quite big, we're going to touch on a few of the big issues, so the racism from Bulgaria fans in the European qualifiers. We'll maybe skip over Scotland's performance in them at the same time. We'll talk about the ongoing escalation and stuff in Rojava between Turkey and the Kurdish people there in the SDF and ongoing stuff around the world with Catalonia and Ecuadorian protests against various things. We'll finish on the CWU vote to strike and the, the efforts that are ongoing against the Royal Mail and they're bid to privatise it further. So first is first, Andy, what do you make of the Bulgarian fans and their actions the other night? Well, it's out of order, but it's a, a part that the English fans were a bigger look at us there as well. I think it's been before they were picked up doing Nazi salutes as well, so I don't think it can be, I don't think one fan group can be picked on for it. But... You sound like the Bulgarian manager there. <laughs> I know. What was it no, he said? It is, but it's, I, will, I know they played it down, didn't they? They said they overreacted. They definitely didn't, but uh, I think it's a wider problem than just one country or one region. It is. What was it the Bulgarian manager said when he was interviewed after? He said, well, both sides were disrespectful and he didn't acknowledge that it was racist and he didn't acknowledge it was bad and... Aye, they talked about how they booed through the national anthem or something like that, I made yeah. noises to it. I think they need to look at what UEFA can do, which is not, because what they do now, I think they've got three warnings, didn't they, before they even take players off the pitch. Aye. They stop the game, they have an announcement of, Aye. and then various other processes they go through before they actually do anything meaningful. I think they need to look at a lot of harsher punishment. And as it's, if they're talking about zero tolerance and it being completely unacceptable, then they need to just take the players off the pitch the first time it happens. It's as simple as that. I'm right off. I just, well, a lot of English players were saying they're going to walk off anyway, weren't they? They were, but they've been saying that for the last couple of years when these things happen, and they don't. And the thing is, I think they're probably concerned that they'll be the ones that just seen us forfeit in the game there. I think they need to be, I think they need to be, it needs to be made clear to them that they won't be penalised for it. Aye. Look, I'm just, I'm just thinking about some of the, the tweets and that that I've seen since. And obviously there's one with the English fan, like the day before, doing the Hitler Nazi salute. And then there's a lot of people talking about the stuff we maybe touched on last week, where don't buy the sun stuff. And if English fans want to stop and fight racism, they should go back and not buy the sun. And some of the headlines has been picked up there all the years and how it all ties in. Um, it was a strange experience I must admit to see videos of English fans singing who put the ball in the racist net Aye. and, and Aye. being quite anti-racist but I suppose it's a good thing and maybe it's a, a change in demographic the English fans that go abroad and on you know what I mean either that or maybe it's to an extent put them in the shoes of the people facing the abuse and I'm not so much in the shoes but They've seen it for the other side now and it might be a wake-up call to some of them. Aye, just, uh, and then just using that kind of tribal stuff where 
the, somebody's slagging somebody that plays for England now, so we'll defend it. Ah. We'll, we'll go against it. But then the next time, are they going to, or are they going to get back to their clubs and start? I think there's been songs at various clubs this year that's been called to. I think one at Spurs. Uh, I think the other team was one of the team. One of songs just came up. So songs. One of them was about. I think it was Villa actually singing a song about the rain player that was fucking. All kinds of prejudices in it. Mm. One was, aye, what do you call the boy that plays centre mid for me? Talk about John McGinn being his master and all that. Hey, I never heard that's that. That's about the rain players, you know what I mean? So that's something I say it's a lot wider, an issue than just they try to make it as certain countries or it's Eastern Europe or whatever. It's a lot closer to him than that as well. It's something that needs to be tackled right through the game. Aye, because what was I going to talk about when I go, but how would you go that, but then try to tackle that? Because I think when I've spoke to folk who do say for about that, they all they kind of say it has changed a wee bit. It's not a, it's not a blatant kind of black, there's not as much blatant kind of white v black racism. A lot of kind of stuff is black and white youth versus Asians, and that feeds into the whole Islamophobia stuff and all in a lot of places. I, well, I think racism. A whole well for a while anyway it was driven underground a bit so people learned to be more discreet with it but I think it's coming back now with everything around Brexit and everything else and the whole Islamophobia thing I think it's definitely people are more confident to be racist yeah. it's it is sad to see black people taking the side of racists against Muslims but I don't think I don't know how, I couldn't see how, to see how common it is. But, I don't know, what did they say about it? No, I just like, I wasn't even like, being racist or that, I just that, oh, I can, I know, sitting in urban youth, it's, you have black and white kids together. Aye. And together, they're just, and then they'll fight Asian kids, it might not be, like, splatterly racist or, and that, but that's the way the, the, it's fun. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. so the divisions are kind of rumbling there a wee bit. And obviously, you've, of course, you've got a lot of English football mobs or whatever still predominantly white anyway, you know what I mean? Ah, yeah. And it's kind of, that's their last bastion where they, they can be a white Englishman and shouting ball, whatever. So they say, well, I've escaped it up here either, you know what I mean? We've both been part of the football crowds and football mobs, so things have been said and done uh-huh. and heard and we've had to have a word and it's, it's escalated at the time so even stuff like that taking us away that within because you've got historical examples uh, football mobs taking on racism internally as well and uh, I even see Coventry lost a new strip this year in celebration ah, uh, the, uh, 30 years of two tone mm-hmm. you know what I mean but you think what is there out there that if we're going to say that football is a breeding ground or it's, a, it's not a breeding ground but it's been targeted from the right as a potential breeding ground. What has there been in the past and what can there be in the new to, to keep forcing that out and create a new kind of culture there? Or just own the culture and not let it slip to the right? Well, I think it's all out with the original skinheads. They were anti-racist, weren't they? Uh, well, it was based on uh, Jamaican dockers, their uh, style, wasn't it? Aye, yeah. so... 
Vīvami visi tur šāpa atpriņš un heģadīt visi spēdzeti. Anybody that's paying taxes, paying money to the world's name, so 
אתה הראש הפיננסי והראש החיוף, הרי אף פעם הוא ירצה את הרציפות בפרויקטה. אז רוני זה תזני, אתה עדיין הרצה ברציפות. תנו כאן יפה דמות של זה, תנו כאן הראש בפרופר. Good on them. And then I read there was a hundred, like 1200 cars blocked 
every entrance to Madrid Airport during the week and all. Is that right? The same folk organised it and just 1200 motors drove down, blocked <laughs> the entrance. They blocked, they burnt out a motor on the high school rail link between France and Spain and all. Mm-hmm. We just went for a lot of transport, so I turned up and down, man. Excellent. Aye, up and down, Bentley. Aye, and then the airport, that was like, did you see that? And they were all in it. Like, what a football stadium. All the singing, just big circle in them. <laughs> three tiers worth in the thing, the car park. Brilliant. But then again, you see the, you see the police attacking, heavily armed police, heavily armoured police attacking innocent, well, I mean, unarmed protesters. A guy was sitting down, he's getting batted with a, a big baton and they turn around and they call it a riot. <laughs> <laughs> that false equivalence again, I know. Did you see? Any videos that are like it's like the Ajax videos in it? You see the Ajax fans outside the Amsterdam Arena. <laughs> they voted Amsterdam. Um, but it was, it was so what's going to happen here? They're not going to get what they get. They just try to shut the place down. Are they? Why get these folk freed? Well, they're, I think they're calling for them to be released. They they are political prisoners, which I'm pretty sure there's some sort of law against. Somewhere. Aye, cause the last was the last democratically elected president to get shot in Europe was the Catalonian president like, in the seventies. Aye. And the end of the Franco regime mm-hmm. shot him. So it just shows you even when folks' lifetimes that kind of link. Aye, well, that's not long before us. And we're talking about Brexit. <laughs> and everybody's trying to do Brexit, right? What is the thing you've been saying about that? The Spain being right in the heart of Europe. As far as I know, the EU's positions it's nothing to do with us. So, maybe them, I mean, it's a member's country, it's the main problem. And that's it. It's, the EU don't need to take any part in it. Leave them to it then? Aye, which given... So what's the point of being part of it then? Well, that's it. I don't understand. They're supposed to be these, this internationalist organisation that care about the people. That's what they're the main voters will tell you. They protect workers, they protect this and that. But I think it just shows they're there to protect states, not people. Aye. And so that's not the final nail in the coffin, particularly people that people that support Scottish independence. I mean, surely that shows if England turn around and tell us now you're going nowhere after we voted yes, the EU's not going to help us. The EU's going to stand by and watch the same as they've done in Catalonia. So, thank you. The Poles would think it'd be the same sort of trouble up here if we voted yes and told us to beat it. Well, if you look at what they're doing for Brexit, they're talking about sending Scottish Polish to Northern Ireland and sending English Polish up here. But I think they've already started doing that. Well, yeah. Musical chairs? Aye, so send everybody out the rain country so there's no bath on the rain. Husbands or wives or wings or film. Because what? Happened all there with the firemen and all then. So in Barcelona and Catalonia, you've got the fire brigade, didn't you? Who yeah. always seem to come out in these things. And I seen a video yesterday, and the police were shooting rubber bullets at fire with uh, fire engines. <laughs> like the fire engines got to put out a fire, I'd assume, and the police have just sat and started shooting it. Aye, it's, well, it just shows it's fucking ridiculous. That was it, Garda Seville. I don't know. I mean, no, I don't think the police national it's the same difference, isn't it? Aye, well, I'm not a license to you, aren't you? Uh, aye, it's 
Yeah, you see that? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what you see. So I don't know that Scottish people would go out in the streets in the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you seen a few weeks ago we talked about it with the parades where they sent in riot police. I think uh, they would probably do that and like I said at the time, the reason they've never done that in Scotland is because it dehumanises the police and makes people, well it makes it easier to attack them I suppose and keep the peace. So I suppose in that sense it could go like that. And it, it just depends. I mean, they were not slow. They were never slow deploying water cannons or rubber bullets in North Ireland. But then when there was the London riots, they said they wouldn't turn them on their own people. So it depends whether they see us as a colony or their own people. Uh, who's their own people? Right. I suppose it's we're kind of on the line there, aren't we? Because well, that's an interesting point to make then, because all the stuff for Extinction Rebellion the last week in London, they went to try to take out all of London and there's been like 1800 people arrested so far Aye. and they've got to the point where they're saying that it's illegal to protest Extinction Rebellion is illegal, it's illegal for any Extinction Rebellion protest to take place in London Aye. Well, I don't know why you need permission anyway to protest but no well, that's it, it just but it shows again what we see every week the law is not for us if we find that if anybody like us finds a way down the law they just change it Right, I on that point, do you think the reaction of the police, because it's not been that heavy-handed, they've been lifting people, but do you think that's to mirror the approach for Extinction Rebellion have been doing, like love-bombing the police, sending the police flowers and can't get them on side, and so the police have not reacted the same way, it's heavy-handedly, whereas if that's a different thing to the police. So who, what I'm trying to get is a social contract, is it because people are so polite, or because the police are so polite that it rarely ever escalates beyond that? Or is that a mixture of both? Well, I think they've probably learned to pass mistakes or <laughs> probably decades and centuries. Places like Ireland and India, a lot of the time their violence is around defeat in the end, where they've went out and massacred people, protesters, or attacked them or killed civilians. So they're probably looking at this and thinking they'll not make the same mistakes as previous generations. Aye, because that is interesting. Um, have you seen that spotlight on the Troubles when I play? I've not been watching that, I meant to watch it. It's interesting, because in that, you talk to all the British Army ones, and so it's like the, the story across the board now, so to me, said when they first went in, it was the Republican population, were coming out with cups of tea and all that, Aye. and we're being their pals, like you're here to protect this nice one. And it was, a lot of the aggro to begin with was with the loyalist population. I think the first soldier that got shot was actually shot off a loyalist and the first two civilian casualties were shot off a British army and there were yeah. loyalists that died. So the the first two kind of mm-hmm. escalation was on the loyalist side because they felt they couldn't protest or burn people at the, the houses where the British army were blocking that where in the past maybe you'd do it to be specials and where they 
the UDR thing at the time there, uh-huh. you know what I mean? You'd, they were allowed to do that and they were getting upset they weren't really allowed to just do what they want. So when it came to the stuff in Bombay Street, was it? Uh, in West Belfast, Bombay Street, and the street, I think, majority kind of Republican or Catholic households. And the mob came in, tried and burn them out, and they fought back. But when they fought back, the British Army came in, and it was the first time the British Army came in, a riot, we'd been quite heavy handed. Uh, and started raiding the houses and they had put everybody in a curfew. And yeah, uh, <laughs> um, it was just that kind of overreaction. The first time they'd done an overreaction to that extent where they had to be doing that, even though they were getting shot at. Uh, and the lawyers one, they only shot at here. There was a Republican side prep stepping themselves. But what they even said to talk about was that that was the biggest mistake, or one of the biggest mistakes they'd made. And I think that was up maybe before or just after Bloody Sunday, but they said that was just as criminal. Get in heavy hand against Republicans, turned to tidy. Aye. Against us, whether well, the part before that was fine, so it's that kind of learning their lesson stuff. Mm-hmm. Aye. Probably right. I think I saw British soldiers saying something. It's the first time they've ever been anywhere where people flying Union Jacks or shooting at them. Aye, that's right. Aye, <laughs> aye. Is that one that? That's one that, mate. Aye, good. <laughs> they didn't know what. They didn't know what to do with us. They're like, well, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But it just shows you that lessons they're learning, they've learned it around the world, literally, and then they're using it back again to uh-huh. keep us in line. Because the Extinction Rebellion now, the reason I brought that up as well is, is that's nobody on the news either. All the stuff with the Catalonians, nobody on the news. Uh-huh. But these are significant things that are going on close to home that tie into a lot of the, the political stuff and well, it was Channel 4 put something out the new, this morning's interview with the new IRA as well, talking about Brexit, like, all this stuff's not been getting touched on, and so it's like just, we either saturated with all this news, and people are switching off, do you think, or they're keeping it away, and they're sleepwalking into something? Well, personally, I think they only like to report on what they, what suits their agenda, and I think most of these things, they struggle to put a spin on it. Uh, like say Extinction Rebellion is a prime example, they're not actually doing anything that you could turn against, you could hold against them apart from the odd right winger moaning they can't fucking drive to work. But, uh, uh, what was it Piers Morgan said to that woman in there? Do you own a TV? No, he <laughs> asked it ten times, he's like, Piers, what's the point you're trying to make here? He's like, no, but you, you say you're actually against the climate change do you own a TV she's like what are you on about <laughs> absolute dope ball man and it's but they had they seen the the day they posted basically into a church where Extinction Rebellion had kept stuff for feeding folk that were protesting feeding homeless and all that uh, and seized all that were guarding like this soup kitchen material in a church aye uh, I saw they've been, I think they've been doing that the whole time they've been taking people's tents in the middle of the night and stuff like that <laughs> to the extent of fucking doing that, man. So although they might not be heavy-handed in the sense of physically attacking them, some of the stuff they're doing is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and it is weird just when it gets to that stage because a lot of the people that are getting arrested from what I've seen are maybe a bit older, a bit more middle class for the home counties, you know what I mean? Aye. Maybe retired, well, well-spoken. That's it, it's people that can afford to get arrested, so we'll leave them to do it while they're making progress there. <laughs> Do you see the guy with the dress up as a broccoli getting lifted? <laughs> oh, what? 
And he's running about to, with a sign saying that he was organically produced and environmentally friendly or something. The fellow chased him about and lifted him. About four of them. <laughs> oh, was that the guy who shouted, Give peace a chance? Aye, give peace a chance. <laughs> oh, it's like that. Yeah, it's getting to the point now where everything's getting quite serious and folk are just going to go mad or all, aren't they? Aye, well, there's got to be a tipping point somewhere, but. I don't really know where that is, because we said it before, surely after fucking best part of a decade of austerity and all the things that's came with that, all the warnings about climate and everything else. I don't know, maybe one of these things abroad will be the thing that'll do it. I've seen um, a few good things that came up. I'm really going to like this, right? But it's a boy. He's standing to be a candidate for Labour in Liverpool. Right. And he could talk to on austerity and he said it's why the guy does the fans against food bank stuff. So similar to Flaff, I suppose, and other things are mm-hmm. trying to fix the boat. But he's standing to be a Labour candidate. And it was just a video that he put together. I thought it was right spot on, man. See, just the, the politics and it was just somebody quite normal. Aye. But it was good politics saying it and hammering that message home, man. It was like austerity, look, we don't need this, we don't deserve this. But only way out of this is to be bold. They have proper Aye. socialist, they explicitly said socialist politics, which I thought was quite it is, bold. But the only thing is, you look at the party leaderships down there, you've got John McDonnell backtracking and wanting to go to uh, what is support Remain, basically. Natalie Bennett for the Greens getting put into the House of Lords. <laughs> you think you're the you put your faith in down there, so it has got to be for them, I think it's just a case of voting for a good candidate so if you get somebody like that then you go for it then what did they what did John McDonald do recently do you know what I'm sure you asked Campbell some, something daft like that but I'm not sure exactly it was merely for did they know of some sort of wheel or something or was that a wheel oh, that was before like done that with Novara Media and it was the na- wheel of nationalisation aye and you spin it and it's to see what you're going to nationalise next, so it was like Greg's yeah. and all that, and then there was other quite funny things, I think. But uh, can somebody put that up and see as many of these things and you'll be able to nationalise with your, with your opinion on Brexit now, or your stance on Brexit. Um, <laughs> I don't know, because it's, uh, is that no way? Because Alistair, Cam- Alistair Campbell, sorry, he was with Tony Blair's bag man, wasn't he? Aye, but he was Spixer. a fan, he was worse than Blair, I think, wasn't he? Aye. So all the stuff about the war, but he's, he's came out as people's vote, that's his big thing. Mm-hmm. So McDonald doing an interview for him, obviously sends a message, and in that interview he was going about how uh, he would step down if he loses the leadership, if he loses an election and all that, and I think a lot of people were upset at that and said it was bad leadership to, to demoralise people almost. Aye, because people are then thinking if we don't win this, because if he goes then, who's going to replace him as deputy? And I think he's probably the stronger one out of him and Corbyn as well. I think he seems to be taking the bullet and all on this by going to, he seems to be the one coming out saying I have back a second referendum. Corbyn's been quite silent on it. Do you think that's a, a genuine difference in politics between the two of them, and difference in opinion, or do you think that's well, strategic? Well, that's what I don't know. If that's what I'm saying. If whether he's putting his cell in the fire and wanting to protect Corbyn, or if the two of them are two generally 
then in like different grey right because there was something during the week as well that said that McDonald had like a they'd put they've restructured inside Labour Party and a lot of Corbyn's top folk were getting moved to different positions and McDonald had made a push to get his people in place so it's different they would be classic Labour right enough before general election they start having a Aye, a war between the two, it's meant to be. A civil war with inside a civil war. Um, but I just, I think then, see, like, the, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of why would you have an interview with Alistair Campbell, right? And the only reason I think is to try and win back that kind of middle class, new Labour support, you know what I mean? But then Socially mobile, yeah. philanthropic, oh, I do nice things for poor people type shit. But we need to follow the easiest neoliberal economic model. Well, that's the same. Need to be electable. The SNP done there. Aye. They went to the right chasing their votes because they took the votes they already had or the support they already had for granted. So if that's what's happening, then surely they must recognise that they're going to lose left votes by going to the right. Or that they're certainly going to lose support. People might still go and put a vote that in a box but it's going to be completely demoralising for people to think this is they've just gone chasing them they have left us behind <laughs> it's great for granted but I suppose that's what political parties do anyway well it's a bit of that isn't it? and it's a bit like mentioned the referendum and who was the Tory that said elections aren't won by people who have mattresses in their back gardens you know what I mean <laughs> it's the whole thing where poor people don't vote but the middle class day. Aye. So that's why it ends up always well McDonald did it with Campbell New, New Labour, SNP. They always end up trying to go back to the same voter base, Aye, you know what I mean? Because they know they'll turn out. So rather than focusing on the past, we think Labour did and whatever they did during the independence campaign was to try and get a higher turnout in working class areas. It's trying to just win that middle ground again. Yeah. Which is largely pointless in my opinion but that's how it ends up becoming a big well, education well get back to that and of course now three and a half million people potentially not going to be able to vote as well they're going to ask you for photo ID before you can vote <laughs> apparently three and a half million people in the country have no vote with a bit ID easy and it will not be rich people no because they're going holidays don't they exactly they have to buy motors and hussies and yep, I else. Need ID to get credit cards and the rest, but we can't get. Aye, just shows you, doesn't it? And it's the scales are always tipped against you. Yeah. And every, absolutely every wee single thing. So, on that, on a good positive note, though, one of the things that's came through austerity, privatisation, neoliberal agenda, blah blah blah, right? The sale of the Royal Mail, privatising the Royal Mail. And they've got mentioned earlier the CWU Communication Workers Union, mm-hmm. largely. It has partial force on other ones, but largely it's the Royal Mail, which they've posted that are in the CWU. And they've voted for strike action. Yeah. It's quite an impressive result. Uh, what was it? Overwhelming, Mad in it? Aye, I think this is one where the Tories have shot herself in the foot. They've done something that they thought was going to destroy unions, uh, saying that they've put this threshold in place and it's made 
uh, a start it's made for unions work harder etc but it's made the membership right well fuck you if we need to hit that target we'll hit a target so people are actually engaging with our unions or going out and voting or taking part in things turning up at meetings where before they might have just taxed, picked the box i'm not even bothered so what is the threshold then what do you what's what's why explain that well they've put it in places at 50 percent of the total membership Aye. it's got to be above now before uh, it's legal to strike so you could get a 49 percent turnout and 100 percent vote to strike and it would be illegal to go on strike then Aye. so i'd say yeah, it's, what's the reasoning so they can say that the majority of the workforce is behind that industrial action? Aye. Aye. They've tried to use it against the unions, but actually, like you said, it's forcing the unions, not just like the union as a body, but the membership, to actually get together and be serious about Aye. it, and then have a discussion to then prove their, their, their power a wee bit. Oh, I mean, it's like, we need to get all this. Like, I've seen the, the CWU, those videos all the time, one thing they've done well in this campaign is the use of social media, and we'll go to that in a second. But they were posting videos for the depot, and before every shift they'd have a workplace meeting, and then they'd all line up, and they're all posting their bars at the same time mm-hmm. on the same day, and it was to create that sense of, like, rather than it being a hidden thing, Aye, or an individual thing, it's a collective thing, and it's a, they're Aye. making it an event. Because like, even the day when they announced it, or yesterday, they are announcing the result of the bar, they had a... Couple of uh, people public on. announcement. I live streamed it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I looked a wee bit like the F1 but when that wee guy used to run about with David Coulthard <laughs> in the, the pit lane. <laughs> 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 it did look a wee bit like that. But it was quite funny. It was like, yeah, in that yeah, kind of amphitheatre and they're all singing and going mad. That's a rough fat woman trying to clap in time at the end, I know. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> I did a big. I did dressed up as postman part and all the way. Aye, but I think that's the thing they've brought humour into it. They've made it something that people want to be a part of as opposed to just going around and saying, right, we need to do this and giving them speeches and telling them. It, they've actually they've created like a carnival atmosphere around it that people think, oh, I want to be part of that. Aye. So the big difference between that then and what the unions have done for the last, I don't know, couple of decades where You'd always get that somebody hitting you with what's the union done for me? And it's always seemed like an outside body rather than Aye. you know it's something that I bought you pay your dues and it's something that does something for you rather than it's something you're part of. Do you know what I mean? Is there a how Aye, can well you explain I that? I think the CWU and the RMT have probably got more active memberships than whatever unions have to begin with. And I think this proves that the membership does have to take the lead on it. Uh, but at the same time that is people getting up their own time outside and tappy work and everything else so I don't know I think the organisers have probably just have uh, well they've, they've been they have went out their way probably to engage I think with about 1200 meetings up and down the country they've done things like that, having the, the box there at their workplace I don't know, it's in the past I suppose they just went to a wee meeting and some they'd probably just post out a ballot to you and ask you to post it back. Hmm. Which right away for some people 
I mean, I know if I get mailed through and I get asked to post something back, I think I'll do that after I work and I forget about it. <laughs> I think I've got letters to all my bag for two ago. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing. So having the thing actually at the workplace on at the, um, the back, making everything easy for people and again building something that people want to be a party, I think that's made the difference. Uh, it's that kind of ownership yet, rather than it being like, you think in the past what had happened, I don't know if it's just slipped into it, is so firstly, what's happened in the last 40 years, I think, is that a lot of workplaces have disappeared. Aye. So a lot of the unions have disappeared, or union memberships, there's no jobs, there's no being in unions. Aye. So that culture slipped. But then, even when unions, people were defending their job, so people uh, became officers in unions. Aye. And it was just about protecting their job rather than building a union. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it became maybe a bit territorial, a bit of sectarian, whatever other internal politics. Then also what's happened I think a wee bit now is that that was your your officers, so it was members on full time facility time and stuff like that, who were under the cost just trying to do individual grievances all the time. Aye, and one yeah. person tried to do all these different grievances, and that's how it was became an individual matter rather than a collective mm-hmm. or a workplace matter. And what I've seen and heard is that a lot of the unions are actually trying to hire people that aren't officers that are organisers mm-hmm. and their jobs to go out and have all these like twelve hundred workplace Aye. meetings and have that meeting you can it's like a rally a wee mini rally and everybody's talking everybody's engaging you're explaining about members come up and saying it and even just wee things like in the past I think what was happening is like even people's addresses the unions don't have everyone's address the right address Aye. so you're sending out a ballot paper it's big the address of how many people have moved you know what I mean Aye. and they're not getting their ballot papers in so they're cleaning all that data they're like and getting people enthused again Maybe that process of, like, it's no a service, it's no an advocacy, it's no, like, phone up a lawyer's, no. we'll do it for you. Uh, this is you all fighting together. If you don't do it, nobody's going to fucking mm. do it here. I think probably the thing that Royal Mail's got is it's one of the few workplaces left and all where people probably do stay in it a long time. They all know each other. If you're in a job where it's no so much like that or you've not been in it long, I think, you turn up to a union meeting, you probably don't speak or engage, you just listen to what's been said for the top table and then you get away again and you get a ballot through the post and it's no something, it either seems you still feel like you're on your own, still feels individual or it feels like uh, it's something that you're no part of at all. Aye. I think that's an issue and I think that's something that was done differently here and I think it's something that the RMT and Ashleaf do well as well. They make the whole membership feel, or the whole membership are engaged, they are involved, they're part of it, they have a say. They're not just being talked to for a tap table as in some unions. I'm just glad. Because why are they talking about keeping people engaged and all that? I suppose we better mention it, the CWU's social media risk campaign, because I've started liking stuff over time. Mm. And some of it's completely funny, but I think the last week, well, after the news of the strike, so like you said, they'd live-streamed the, the bar announcement, and then the Royal Mail put a statement out. And what was it they said? They were disappointed that they decided to strike, that harms, faith, uh, harms customers' faith in the company and all that. <laughs> and the CW like, quoted it on Twitter and said, You okay, hon? <laughs> 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 DM me. 
Yeah. Aye, so see, just three things like that, just take the piss, being funny. But in that, if you do something like that, then people will retweet it or share it or pass it about. And a lot more people see it. So people go, oh, what's going on there? And they'll actually go and look into it. Aye. It, it brings other people into it, even for outside the union. But also, if you're a member of that, you go, ah, it's my union. Aye. <laughs> 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 you get a wee bit of pride or something. You're still up. It's just even to see it being a bit, wee bit cheeky and wee bit like rubbing them up the wrong way rather than ah. in the past it's been like on the side of the management or let's go, I can name other unions where it's been, been involved in it and it's like, no, I'll just go for a meeting by the manager. That's ah. how we do things here. You know ah, I mean? Well, that's it. It's showing them which side you're on. The union nail on their colours to a master effectively, which you would think would be a given, but it's no. <laughs> nah, it's <laughs> tough, but... For some of them, it is like, I will go and play golf and we'll discuss it over aye. nine holes. I uh, fancy a lunch. Aye. Or you bought a champagne. <laughs> Sick, isn't it? Uh, exactly. You know what get to? <laughs> so it's good to see. It's good to see, isn't it? What was the one the day they did? And it was, uh, oh, for years now, they put it like, aye, they it was a screenshot <laughs> of your iPhone notes and it was a play on that Colin Mooney thing. It was aye. like, for years now, we've, someone's been leaking information to us, to the press. Uh, somebody we trusted. That some, <laughs> they've let us down badly. Um, and we, so we decided to try and set up on the screenshot of everything. It's the Royal Mail account. Uh, <laughs> and it just went viral or not. Figure on the button a wee bit. Because I think they said, like, oh, fucking. So what did they say? There was 80 odd thousand people voted yes out of 110. I think it was just short. Yeah, I think maybe seventy-seven thousand or something. Like um, that. but oh, massive. Did what? Twelve thousand or twelve hundred workplace meetings. Aye, twelve hundred fifty something. Like that. And then you've had all the millions of people liking, subscribing, and then they've pushed it. Aye. So, what does the Royal Mail management do now? Well, they're saying they're still in negotiations. They're going to try and prevent strike action. So the only thing they can do is. I think it's particularly the pension things I went back on, because I think it's pay, pension, uh, cultural uh, cultural changes and shorter working week. Aye, uh, the four pillars, pension, right? shorter week, extended protections and right. sort of else. Aye, so then it's, uh, I think it's particularly the pensions that they went back on, but uh, I think they've got to give them what they want, really. Aye, so that's what I was going to say, when you're faced with that, we're in the past say they've reached this agreement last year with the CWU for these four points mm-hmm. and they've rolled back on it now after 10 months of negotiations as well aye so then they roll back on it in the past what's happened is the unions have just went away a top table and went oh we'll deal with it we'll just sit and discuss this with them aye and then it's fell through and everybody's got pissed off at the unions everybody's pissed off at management and just totally demoralised and it's the same politically probably but whereas maybe this time they've went, no, you know what, we'll get in and we'll have 1,200 workplace meetings. Aye. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll get everything up and get us... And it shows, for all that they probably have got advantages out of other workplaces, it just shows that they can still be effective when they get to think of it. Aye, so it's it shows that unions can still be effective. Because it is that way that the point I was making is just that the difference it makes when everybody gets involved, but... Because now we're looking back to that table, whoever's on that table, and they're going like 97% voted for strike action. Aye. You can't say that's a divided workplace. Aye, you know, you know what I mean? 77% turnout. When was yeah. the last time you got that in a general election? 
That's like part does of double generation done it, is it not? I will, I, well, I for some of them, I, and then for, to get a 97% vote. That's a big majority, isn't aye, it? Aye, it's a far bigger majority than Brexit. <laughs> of the Tory government around there. <laughs> and just, aye, aye, so it shows that, and we're, we're still coming together, we're day four, mm-hmm. Talk so, about pensions, lastly, did you see that the Turkish military pension fund is bought out of British Steel? Is that right? Aye. <laughs> so, so this is what you're talking about. It says we're touching Rojava or whatever. So the Turkish generals and everything else is ethnic cleansing Aye. in northern Syria. is now buying all British steel. This Aye. shows the, the kind of hypocrisy Aye, of the It's insulting. Aye. Exactly. You know what <laughs> I mean? And then you were talking about the arms companies last week and all the different arms companies that make Aye. money are doing it, I think. I think the UK have come out and said they've stopped selling guns now. Well, they've stopped selling arms to Turkey, but Disney fucking stopped the stockpiles they already have. No. But there's nothing for that. And, I mean, they're saying it's a shame that it takes something like that, ethnic cleansing, before they do it, before they stop doing it. But does it need the likes of Saudi Arabia to do that as well? Israel, they're still selling weapons to. Uh, that's made out be temporary because they'll know allow these companies to lose money for that long. Oh, they'll just shut it down now. Who's yeah. that asset stripper? I will. That's it. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'll just see that. I don't know how much they're it for, how much their assets are worth, but they can just strip that right down and say, boom, mate, it's in the pension pot, big man. I watch it. Just sell our bits of it. A quick profit. Yeah. There we go. Thanks for telling all the cubs. Here we go. Mm-hmm. There's a wee holiday in the Mediterranean <laughs> for you. Were the Turkish players talking about Bulgarian fans? The Turkish football team no doing salutes and all that, like no fascist fans, uh, no Nazi fans, but some sort of like grey wolf and salutes when they scored goals. I didn't see that, is that right? Aye, the actual players. Aye. They're doing it for the Turkish national team. But there's been protests all Europe, haven't there? There has, aye, there's been protests at Turkish embassies, there's been protests in the streets of various countries, but. For all the good it's doing, I don't think, I think the Kurds have made a deal now with Assad to allow him back into that area. His groups along with Russian lands have moved in to um, a couple of the places on the edge of the, well, just outside the zone that Turkey's trying to take. Aye, but I read um, that they'd pushed forward even because there was like three men areas on that border that was kind of Kurdish, it was Afrin. Talabad. I think Afrin been held to the Turkish or the... For a bit, a good bit, but uh, what I read was the deal they made with Assad was that Assad was going to push the Turks out, even that. Right. I see what I was saying was Russia was saying that Assad and the Turks won't, uh, they've got a, they're in contact and they won't directly engage with each other, but it'll no doubt be the Kurds on one side and the three Syrian army will be the cannon fodder for Turkey, so it might be fights among them to see who wins or see who gets the territories. But the only thing is then they've let Assad back into their region, so he'll need out of his own ambitions to take that back as well. Aye, but we think he's strong enough, like military. I think he's just done it. Saying that would do you know something here, I suppose. Well, that's it, because I mean, go to the back of Russia there. They had tanks and trucks going in there, and they were got to secure that area. 
Nice one. <laughs> um, but I just I in terms because you've got all that stuff going on over there. The amount of people that are on the, the streets in Barcelona and Catalonia. Uh, CW, the Bulgarian fans, just, there's so many stories that just don't be touched on properly and they're not having a proper discussion. Even one thing we've not touched today, the Ecuadorian riots, yeah. a big social movement in Ecuador where I think it was against an IMF loan, so an International Monetary, Monetary fund, fund. And that's the same sort of stuff that crippled Greece and everybody else. So mm. I think it was like a bailout package, international money, we'll bail you it, but if we give you this loan, you have to do this. You have to privatise all these uh, your services. Right. You have to sell off this. You have to lower the minimum wage. You have to destroy public health. You have to run. I mean, and they were like, ah, no chance. And I think they've just took flooded the streets. I think I'm sure they, they actually. I was the reason I brought this up. I was like, so what is the answer to stuff that's going on in Java? What's the answer to stuff in Catalonia? What's the answer to the Extinction Rebellion? Whereas in Ecuador, they've just went right in and started just kidnapping folk. <laughs> the flood of the streets. I actually seen the, the army battling the poles, I know. Right. And the streets, there's poles come on the bikes and the army's just running and just started lamping them right after the motorbikes. The poles, who was on his side? The army was on the side of the people. Right. And they're just like, no, beat it. The first time beat it and the poles are trying to ramrod folk on the bikes and the, the army boys just came right in and knocked them right off his bike and it's caused a big army, but... Well, maybe I think that possibly is the answer. <laughs> that's the that's how they shut down Mary Hill Barracks on the red flag side. Right. And that for what was the they were fearing that this working class boys that joined the army for a way out would when they turn their guns on them people. So maybe that's what they're holding hands <laughs> across the world. The boys that's done that realise that what they're doing realise which side they should be on. That might be hope. So we need, we need the fire brigade to talk to the army in Catalonia. We yep. need. Aye. <laughs> well, the fire brigade in the army, they've got helmets, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> Between <laughs> they've got helmets, guns and hoses, that could be a, that could a, be a job, aye. Aye, right, so we've got that sorted, that is that sorted, right? Which, when Java, fuck knows what's going to happen. I'm well, kidding. once the army and the Fire Brigade are done here, we can send them <laughs> Go there. But maybe it needs to come in, because mind there was a coup in Turkey, I know. Or there was an attempted to coup, didn't they work out? Well, mm. I think, I'm pretty sure i seen there was a big protest in Turkey the other night, against yeah. what they were doing. A massive protest. Because, well, Erdogan's power was slipping, was it not, in the last Aye. election? He was clinging on, and even then it was allegations that it was corrupt. Aye, well, I think, aye, aye. There was a coup, whether or not that was something that he's seen... So they were slapping and there was no good. He's went to do so you aye, so there are no hangs there. Well they've So he's went to set that up so he can look like the big man. Well there's talk of that. <laughs> and then even the even the attack against the Kurds, they're no Dana very, They're no very popular in Turkey because of the struggle with the PKK and the like. So if they seem to be being tough on them the same way Thatcher had the Balkans war, I suppose. Stuff like that, they always bring out a war when they're struggling. Aye, that's heightened it. Aye, give people a common enemy and they unite around them. And so the, the solution then is hoping for some maybe unrest within Turkey. Aye, well. Bring it down a wee bit and stop it. And then I suppose, what does that mean? It goes back to what we were maybe talking at the start of the, 
this podcast about the social contract. So what what escalates the situation more? Is it the people? Or is it the actions of the state and the police? And so if they're talking about those actions that we want the UK government to influence abroad, how do we force that reaction? Or if there's stuff where they're doing bad shit abroad, how would we influence and bring mm. the... You know, almost like, it's not a case of us going fighting, but it's how can we bring yeah. stuff here, a pain in the ass at home, yeah. where they start thinking they, they, they need to look at us. Or is it an opportunity? So when one eye's looking elsewhere, you get the opportunity to go on domestically because the breach sure that was like Conley's line wasn't it they said when the first world war was a perfect what is that England, England's uh, no struggle is Ireland's opportunity England's Aye. Thing, you know Aye. what I mean and it's that thing where if we're distracted we can go and get kind of that murmur so everybody's talking about Brexit and everything else it should be an opportunity for the likes of Labour or, or it should be an opportunity for Scottish independence to come right in the back door here a wee bit and go right They've rise off the ball. That's crunch them. Aye, but then you think to yourself, do they have the rise off the ball? Does it really affect them? Do they, or are they still watching things that's important to them but distracting us with Brexit? Is it us, is it us that's got the rise off the ball? And that's going to be a question for next week's podcast, <laughs> I think. Are I hundred years down the line? <laughs> so have we got our eyes on the ball or do they? Are we being distracted by Lewis Hamilton becoming a vegan, <laughs> Prince Harry crying, and ah, weird pictures of foxes eating lemmings. <laughs> right, so that was this week's podcast. Like, subscribe, share it, give us your feedback. If you want to come on as a guest day and your name begins with M, let us know. And we'll if see. Disney will make one up to you. Hi, <laughs> <Aye>, we'll <laughs> give you a pseudonym, right? Thanks, share, goodbye. <laughs>